can our schools be so welcoming, so inviting, so comfortable that every person who walks through our doors believes they are about to have an amazing experience? That's an unknown quote. Hello, my name is Stephen King, and this is Apples and Coffee. Today, we will be talking about classroom management, and I'm here with two guests who will now introduce themselves. Everyone, my name is Melissa Pierce. I am a middle school mathematics teacher in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm about to go into my third year. Hey, everyone. My name is Gentiano Plata. I'm a middle school physical education teacher, and I'm about to enter my fifth year. Thank you both for being here today. So today, like I said, classroom management. So, so we're going to go over, so we all teach middle school. What does that look like for us? You know, when I first started teaching, at first I thought I went at high school. But then I realized middle school is my calling because middle school, in my opinion, is probably the hardest because of the changes that the kids start going through as they start trying to. Well, obviously, kids growing up trying to discover who they are, but this is where it really starts kicking up. So middle school, very important to me, very important. So I want to know. So we're going to talk about how classroom culture changed from your first year to where you are now and what steps did you do you take to create it? But I like to start off first with, in one sentence, tell me, what is classroom culture in your opinion? To me, classroom culture is a combination of things. It's the spoken and unspoken guidelines in a classroom that kind of determine how students interact with you as a teacher, but also more importantly, with each other. Thank you. That's hard to beat, man. (laughs) Uh, Classroom culture to me is the atmosphere, routines, and interactions that occur in a classroom. Okay, okay. I will go with, to see if I can get it even shorter. Uh, (laughs) Classroom culture is the environment in which we learn, grow, and experience um, education. I like it. I like it. So uh, before we talk about what we do now, because what, how we grew up might impact what we do in our classroom. What do y'all remember about your time being a student and the classroom culture good or bad experiences, like, you know, because I think back, I had a math teacher, algebra, eighth grade. It was a hot mess. It was, I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Melissa does a lot better than the <laughs> teacher who I will not name, just in case. But uh, yeah, me, me and her, we butted heads. It was a very, it was a hostile environment. Part of it was my fault because I was an eighth grader and I was a, I was a, I was a smart you know, I can't. Almost, I was, but yeah, I was that person. So I didn't make it easy on her, but I also don't remember her fostering a positive climate. But then I remember another teacher I had. I had Mr. Johnson. He was like my world history teacher. He made class fun. It was like live. I, I didn't know where time went. And then I had Miss Dixon. I will say her name because she was my journalism teacher, and she was like she commanded that room, and it, she made it like a room where. You wanted to be there. She had high expectations, but you wanted to be there because you wanted to try to strive to meet her expectations. And so I just remember those experiences. And that's all from middle school. So, and then they play into how I try to run my classroom now also. But either you can go ahead and start about your childhood experience with classroom or you can remember. I would definitely say that 
the classrooms that had the strongest culture and the strongest management were the ones where the teachers were really organized and where they just could not allow you to be lazy. Like the classes where I could skate by are probably the ones where I did the least. I didn't necessarily feel safe or unsafe. I was just there. And then the ones where I was called to the board, we were doing group work. They made you do leadership skills, present things, do speaking and also writing. I feel like that those are the classrooms where you had to engage the most. And I think that's a key part of culture is like, how much are you required to do? Can you skate by or are you required to take part? And I think like student involvement is key in classroom culture and in management. Like your students should know that they have like a role in the classroom. So um, I feel like I can't think of a specific teacher at the moment, but yeah, I definitely remember the ones that I participated the most being the strongest. There's tons. Um, I like Mr. Vader because Mr. Vader used to curse. He's always like, don't BS me. Um, but he cared, right? He was his authentic self. Mr. Walton was a, a strong Afro-Latino uh, man who uh, was Panamanian and he was a math teacher. And he always like, he saw me, like he cared about me. He saw me. He always held me accountable. And it wasn't, you know, like math is fun, but it wasn't even about being fun. For me, it was about the challenge and also like being able to make him proud in a way. High school, Mr. Sheldon. Mr. Sheldon used to actually make fun of everybody's last name. So there was a girl, her last name was Moore. So he called her more Pop Sausage's mom, please. He called me Blood, you know what I mean? So he would like literally, if he was from the moment that he did the call, the role, you were laughing. And then he will always add extra tidbits of American history that you didn't know. Like some some subtleties like, oh, did you know that Bugs Bunny was gray, but da- um, Daffy Duck was black. And that was like subtle notions of racism. We're like, you're lying. What are you talking about? But he'll just throw like little tidbits of things here and there that allowed you to learn. I have Ms. Jackson too, kind of similar to what you were talking about. Like this strong, beautiful black woman who just always held my foot to the fire to make sure I was my best self. So for me, it was always like grab a little bit of sternness, but also be very jovial and be friendly. Um, Melissa can tell you that sometimes I'm the youngest person in the room. Um, depending mm-hmm. on the class, um, just being able to like connect and see students like you want to see them. You you know, if you have that leverage to be able to joke around with them, joke around with them. Also try to be transparent, like kind of like Mr. Vader. He was completely transparent. So one thing I do not like to do is do busy work. So if I ever had to give students busy work, because not only was I a, a PE teacher, but I also did inter- intervention, which was math and science, um, math and English for almost every grade. And I also started off as a permanent sub. So I, I came through the fire. But I was always real with them. I was like, you know, you may not have to use this in real life, but this is something that you still need to master because you may need this. So just being authentic, trying to be funny, trying to make sure that you see your students and at the same time, make sure you hold them to high accountability. My students, man, I'd be telling my students, if something doesn't come from me and it comes from someone else, I'll let them know that, hey, this isn't my idea. This isn't me doing this. I'm being told I have to do this. So that's just... And I hate it just as much as you do. So <laughs> I, I'm 100% with, why do we have to do all these tests? Like, they're not my tests. I don't agree with them. But yeah, not at all. Not at all. You got to do them. I, I hate said them that multiple times this year. <laughs> I'm actually, I probably tell them, I hate them more than they do. They don't <laughs> but yeah, I like that. I do believe in transparency, first and foremost, with my students. Uh, I'm very big on that. And also the humor. I'm very big on dad jokes, especially now that I am a dad. I try to make them as uh, as corny as possible, and then the kids are trying to roast me for them, but then they realize that I'm unroastable. So that makes it even that much better because whatever they say can't phase me, and you know, and then my cut my games better than theirs, and it always will be. But yeah, well, I'm always- I tell them all the time. 
I try to tell them, like, you guys don't have the self-esteem to actually roast me. Like, because <laughs> if I get you back, you wouldn't really be hurt. I'm not going to be hurt. You don't have Mr. No hair, so I'm fine. Like, yeah, that know, should be a requirement. It's funny because that's always the first one. You ain't got no hair. Oh, dang. You got me. Oh, <laughs> what do I ever do? So. It should definitely be a requirement to know how to clap back to teach middle school because they will oh, come man. for you. Oh. They will you know, come for you. My wife, uh, she's a counselor in elementary, and she tells me about the fourth and fifth graders and how they, they, like, they start, like, fourth and fifth graders, like, roasting teachers or getting at teachers. And then I be trying to tell her, this is what you need to say to them in, in response. I can't say that. Yes, you can. Trust me. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Um, that builds good culture. That builds good saying. culture. So, Ms. Lazo, oh, I said her name. Oopsies. Uh, the algebra teacher showed uh, <laughs> <laughs> me what I didn't want in my classroom. But Ms. Dixon, I don't know. I get. I can't remember the details on how she built it, but she was a she was a short, older white lady. But she like the power she had in that room from the beginning of the year. I think she started off with the whole start strong and release throughout the year. But I don't really re- remember her really releasing. Like I don't remember her cracking jail. I don't remember her releasing. But I just remember she controlled that room, even with me and my buddy Miguel. So I want to hop into the second topic because. How do you start creating a culture in your room? Day one, uh, preferably, how did you start it your first year versus how did you start it last year? That's a good one. My first year was entirely remote. So I think I did a lot of verbal things my first year. Like I just talked to them and said, like, I want to learn the same way you want to learn. And this is going to be like a culture that serves you and me. And I want you to see yourself in the classroom. But I don't feel like that's what I did the second year because the second year we're back in person and it was like full force. There was, we did hybrid, but that was at the end of the previous year. And we came back, everybody in the building masked up, but all at once. So I think in that case, we did like a social contract, so to speak. So you ask, you can start them off and say, here are a couple of class rules and things we're going to live by. But now what do you want to see in your classroom? What are some rules that you feel like we should all adhere to? What would make you feel safe? What would make you feel heard? What would make you feel like you have stakes in this classroom because you do? And how would how would you like to see yourself in this classroom, especially in math? A lot of kids just like come in already hating math. So I feel like that culture, you have to build a culture of like asking questions and making sure failure is okay because failure is going to happen. But I would definitely say in a physical classroom, you can definitely have a living social contract that you add to throughout the year, have it up on the wall, display it so they see it and remind them of it throughout the year because they will forget. And then you have to be like, oh, wait a minute, roasting is not part of our community. So yeah, in, in remote though, that was different. In remote buy-in was really hard. So maybe one of you have an answer for that. Man, I have a very convoluted answer for that. I'm going to try to condense it, but because my first year, I was actually a uh, special education teacher. So I taught ninth through 12th grade, global history, and all three Englishes. But because I was basically, you had one lead teacher and one assist, I literally was just at the beck and call of whatever the teachers were. And those teachers were horrible. I won't say their names. Uh, <laughs> my second year, I was a permanent sub. In that sense, what I thought was like, hey, like, I'm just going to uh, appeal to the, the the best sides of my students. I'm just going to come in and be sincere and and. There was no best size to them at first, like in regards to like, oh, you're permanent sub, this is the day off. So from fifth through eighth grade, it was just ransacked. So literally I got baptized by fire because it's hard to continuously, because I think that one big aspect of culture is consistency. 
And if I see fifth grade one day and I don't see him for two more weeks, we weren't able to establish culture. But until, you know, so, but any given day, it could be like I was teaching fifth grade math in the second period, I was teaching eighth grade social studies, third period, I'm teaching seventh grade science and any variations of it. So then it was, then it was remote. So this is like the first year that I kind of had a room because she'll let you know, I didn't really have one, but I definitely came out stern. I would walk into the front of a classroom. And I think that what helped me this year was because I kind of knew all the students. So because I was a permanent sub and I got to teach fifth through eighth grade, now the eighth graders were sixth graders. So I knew them. I already knew I was going to come out stern. Um, We just came off a pandemic. My biggest thing was their physical health. So literally for me, PE was an option. Like you need to make sure that we are, I'm not going to make sure that you guys are sick. I want you guys to go home healthy. Um, You guys cannot hurt each other. And then um, break down certain um, aspects of what PE is, right? So people look differently. So my first class, we just went over four different athletes and how they look different. We had Keith Lee, Candace Parker, LeBron James, and Serena Williams. And then the question was, which one of them are fit? And they all said they are all fit. So we just, you know, I just underlined the fact that you don't have to fit an aesthetic to be able to be fit. So be the best you that you are. But we're going to have a whole bunch of fun because it is PE. Just make sure that you guys are healthy. Um, you guys are, are safe. And if anytime you guys don't do that, we'll walk. So for a good week, they had to walk up and downstairs because they couldn't transition properly. Or we just didn't do PE and we sat in the room. Uh, and then when they realized that you won't have PE unless you do that, we're good for the rest of the year. So I do think it's important to so that there's that phrase. Uh, I mean, what I, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. I think some teachers get caught up in the idea of they say things over and over again, but they just keep saying it and don't add like a consequence to when it's broken or whatever. So I like that you have to like walk up and down the stairs. <laughs> I would, my first year, oh my goodness, first year was like boot camp. So I was like a little mini drill instructor. And I remember that I had, yeah, I did that with uh, one of my classes, I had a, we just walked up and down the stairs for like 30 minutes until they understood that I was not to be trifled with. <laughs> uh, my first year, I was I was a hot mess my first year. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I was trying I was trying to like balance trying to be, you know, that stern adult in the room, but also jovial. And I was like, I wasn't really being my authentic self. So I didn't have classroom behavior issues, but I didn't really have a, a strong like culture or like environment. And so I look back on it. I was like, oh, my first year was a hot mess. Now I do. I start I come in stern, but I also let them know that I'm, I'm jovial. I like to have fun. This is what I like. This is what I do. I will cut it off whenever I feel like to get back on business. So just be prepared for that. Uh, a lot of them are into the whole astrology thing. So I let them know I'm a Gemini expert and they do what they will with that. So they take that pretty seriously. They're like, oh, crap. Uh, that's what I do. I start off being transparent always. I let them know about my military service. I let them know about my brother's passing like pretty early on. So they know that there's going to be, cause I want them to know that there's going to be moments throughout the year where I'm not going to be all the way there and kind of processing things. And that's okay. Because I want them also know that you can deal with trauma and uh, be okay. So I want to get that out there as early as possible. And I, cause it also helps them see me as a person. So I like to do, I like to do that. And I also uh, bring up my childhood pretty early too. So they know that they're not the only ones going through difficult times. And so they also know what, what it looks like to 
move past that and achieve a level of success. So they got like a little positive. So those are things I do pretty early on, like the first couple of weeks, just to get it out there. And then in return, the games are released more and then I get them open up and start sharing. And this turns into a nice little uh, room where people are willing to share, open up and everything. I like it. I have a question. Uh, how much do you feel administration um, helps or hurts classroom culture? Well, so I don't. So if so, I think it depends on the teacher. If the teacher has to reach out to administration early for assistance, then it's in my opinion is detrimental because that means that this shows the students that that teacher can't build that kind of culture in their classroom to where it's like welcoming and engaging and encouraging without some outside assistance. So then in my, those students aren't going to really take, I mean, they'll listen to that teacher as an adult, but they're not really going to be fully invested. I never had a negative experience. Admin never really helped me build my classroom culture. So like 325, aka the Thunderdome, like we were, that's just what, you know, I never used admin to help me build culture. I pretty much had an idea of what I wanted to do. Like even my first year, I didn't really be like, hey, yo, hey, can you come help me? I don't know what I'm doing. Like give me ideas. I just tried different things and figure out what worked for me. And then my second, third, fourth year, I used what worked for me. So that's kind of, so I guess, long story short, that's kind of hard for me to answer because my experiences with admin, I don't really, they're not really involved, but I do see the admin that are always in teacher's rooms. Those teachers are usually the ones who are struggling with not just behavior, but having a culture that the students want to like. The students don't like being in those classrooms. I hear it all the time. So, and so but my thing is like, what can admin actually do to help teachers build their culture without taking away from the teachers? So, is that a rhetorical question or that's I don't know. If well, you have an answer, <laughs> I'm, I'm down to hear it. I personally don't know the answer. Uh, and I guess I have to find the answer eventually since I want to become an AP one day and then become a principal. So if y'all have an answer for me, I'll let them take it so I can use it in the future. I don't know that I have an answer to that question, but I can definitely elaborate on whether they hurt or help. I think they can be helpful, but I know I see Mr. Clotter smiling because they're coming from the same school. And <laughs> I agree with what you said, Stephen, when they come in too early in the year, it kind of gives kids the impression that this teacher can't handle themselves in the classroom. And that's never a positive experience because then they don't trust you. And I think trust is really important in any classroom environment. But our administrators were the opposite of your experience, Stephen. They were very present in the classrooms and in the hallways to a detriment because I feel like a lot of times if their decisions didn't align with the teachers, if we didn't communicate and it didn't take time to align, then the students immediately distrusted one or the other. So they either, it was like the mommy daddy game. Like if, if I went to admin and admin told me one thing and my teacher's saying another, then I'm going to go with what's desirable to me. I'm going to listen to myself essentially. And so, um, Something we also saw was just like our school lacked a lot of behavioral structure. So they didn't have a lot of structure for dealing with certain behaviors and just discipline in general. So well, that just your school, not just your school. Yeah, <laughs> <Everywhere>. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a real problem. But yeah, the students were became very aware that there was no structure and that they could really behave any way. And it was up to the teacher to have a disciplinary system, but it got so bad that even the teachers with the strongest management who had 
disciplinary systems of their own, then the kids knew, well, once I go to admin, nothing further is really going to happen. So there was no improvement in behavior. So I think if your administration doesn't have a strong foundation and they don't have a hold on what their structures are and how they plan to respond, and if their responses aren't consistent for each kid, because Sometimes they would respond very differently for behaviors that were both egregious or like should both have had the same response. If they're not consistent and they don't have a structure or some kind of hierarchy of if you do X, Y, Z behavior, this is what comes next. After this many times of such a consequence, something else happens. Then that that really undermines the teacher's ability to have to have safety as part of their classroom culture. You can have other things that's strong about your culture. Safety, I feel like, is number one. And if you can't nail safety because of your admin, then... They're not helping. They're hurting. I want to add an amendment to what I said. Um, <laughs> I do think administration can actually help. because. All right, so we have a new principal coming in because our schools turn into a K-8 through campus. And so one of the things she wants to work on is building up our school culture, like making our school more welcoming, especially in the middle school cycle. You know, elementary goes through all the bells and whistles, decorations, so on and so forth. Middle school, at least at my middle school, we all didn't do that. We had some teachers who did it and put forth that effort, but I'm guilty of it myself outside my classroom, or sometimes even in my classroom, I wasn't all decorating bells and whistles. I had other things like I could do to build it up. So she's, she's come in and she's having us do this whole decorating deal, changing the feel. So the first day when they come in, they'll feel more welcome, wanting to be there. I feel like a <laughs> prison. So I do think that admin can help school culture into like into perspective and help build that up. And as a result, that should help the teachers with their classroom culture. So the admins don't contribute to that school culture and building that school culture up, then the classroom culture will suffer a little bit. And Melissa, you reminded me of that because last year, I'm pretty sure all the teachers in my school would probably say it was our hardest year. And we like, the, I'm like, hey, Anyone listening to this, it is what it is. But the, you know, our discipline system wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't structured. It was all over the place. There was no stability. Like it is, that's what it was. And so the kids did figure it out. The kid, And then, you know, later, so as a year went on, the kids realized that what they can get away with. And it, it, it was just, it was just lacking. And we didn't really have a good school culture. Now, could the teachers have helped contribute to that? Like improving that? We could, we could have. Uh, but I got to the point to where I really stopped caring about what was going on outside of 325. <laughs> I'm like, I can't be worried about all these other teachers in these other rooms, especially when I'm just a teacher. So I'm going to worry about 325. Everybody else, good luck. And that's where the admin should have been coming in, trying to build that up and improving that class, that school culture. So then the classroom cultures, as a result, can improve. And that did. So, if, and so, uh, answer the question. If admins work in the school culture, then classroom culture will, I think, approve automatically on the back end. You sound like you're about your VP already. I like that. <laughs> you like you sound like you're AP already. I like that. Oh, so yeah, I've been taking notes on. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. That I see. So when she said, uh, like, so when our new principal said we we're going to be doing the whole decorating thing, at first I was like, I'm not going to lie. It's like, oh, I got to decorate the hallways. <laughs> and then I was like, well, no, I can just be the person who puts things up and everybody else can come up with the ideas and I'll just put things up. I'm like, that's cool. But then I'm like, I'd actually think of stuff. I was like, oh, crap. And so I'm the one who came up with the idea for our hallway and stuff. 
that's looking nice. <laughs> so uh, I was so I, I joined TFA, and I mean I know they trained us on classroom culture, but I don't know if they like if it was like broken down in any type of way. So I so I found this five elements of classroom culture, and it's a breakdown that I like and that I try to um, use. And so that's what I wanted to go over real quick. I don't know if y'all have your own ways of breaking it down, but for me, literally researched online, it was <laughs> discipline, management, control, influence, engagement. And in that order, because I think one leads to, or one reinforces the other to where you get down to the engagement. And then that's where you have a fully cohesive classroom that flows where the students own their own leadership and they basically run it and you're just there monitoring, putting out any fires, but they're the ones who are really running the classroom. So I wanted to like talk about that for a little bit. And this is also for, I want to bring this up for any new teachers who might want to listen to this or teachers who struggled last year with classroom management or any students who I have who listen to this, who wants to know how we work and try to figure out us out. Before I go over this, do y'all have any like elements or how you approach your classroom management in any type of way, like broken down in the similar fashion as the five elements that I broke down? Or do you just go in there and do it? I definitely think safety takes priority in my classroom, which goes to discipline. Like they listed discipline first and being consistent about safety, like especially middle schoolers, it may not be physical safety always. A lot of times they hear terms or phrases and they repeat them or they say inappropriate things and it makes other people feel uncomfortable and not everybody will speak up when they're uncomfortable. So I think those first couple days and those first couple weeks are really important. Like the students need to see that you as a teacher, you're going to address everything. Anything that could possibly make anybody feel unsafe, it's going to be addressed to the point where you're going to get to a point where you don't need to continue addressing it. They'll hold each other accountable. Um, So just like physical safety, but also like emotional safety. Do I feel safe sharing in this class? I want to raise my hand. I was the kid who would wait like an uncomfortable amount of time before raising my hand because I just didn't always feel safe, like sharing my ideas in a class. So those little comments that they throw across the class Mm -hmm. and looks and the little things you have to sweat in the beginning. Oh, I like it's it's hard because I definitely can say discipline, but I also will say authenticity um, and building a, a connection and understanding the students because you get to see like when you stand in front of a group of kids, there are different energies. All right, cool. I know the crew in the back. They 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 I gotta function a certain type of way. We gotta talk. So the way that I talk to Arjan is not the same way I talk to uh, Melvin, right? Like I know that Arjan lives around the way, so I could talk in certain vernacular with Arjan, and we can make that connection. This girl likes anime, so I know I can utilize that as a way to approach her. This kid can speak another language, so I can inquire about that. Like, how can I see them collectively and individually, and then also how they traffic with each other? I'm cool with roasting, but I also realize that there's lessons in that as well, right? I also feel like there's a time where it's okay to feel uncomfortable in class because there's so many different things that they're learning, right? You. Because I, when I think about a classroom, it's the subject that you have to teach and it's the life lessons in between all that that you also want to be able that you chime in on. So, for instance, like for my class, there was one time, you know, the, the boys and the girls were hitting each other because they don't know how to like each other yet. They don't know how to say I like you. 
So we literally stopped PE class, sat down, and I had one of my kids sit down. I'm just like, yo, like, why, why do you, well, if I ask her out and she says no, da, da, da. And then we actually were able to have that transparent conversation. Or when they say no homo, and then we actually have conversations about that. I'm like, none of you guys are having sex. Where, where are you getting these terms from? Or why are you policing somebody else's, you know? Um, and then we break down some of those layers. Um, but that comes with building that relationship first. I think that even before you discipline someone, I don't have a relationship with you, you wouldn't even care. I think a lot of kids are so used to adults yelling at them without asking them who they are that it actually becomes offensive. So I'm going to be stern. I'm going to I'm going to be stern in the way that we're going to traffic. Right. I think discipline comes with the relationship that we have and the, and the central understanding that we have in our classroom. Um, and that comes with the school culture that you were talking about before. Right. School culture tells them who they're supposed to be when they actually sit down in the classroom. I think that we kind of overdo the notion of classroom management in the sense of like that being disciplinary. Well, students, if we're going to call them scholars, should know you're at least supposed to sit down in class and be quiet, right? Like 85% of my time should not be telling you to sit down. They should be trying to figure out how to get this contact in your brain, right? So I think that that actually should be a little, little less. But literally, I think that for the first 10 to 15 days, it's trying to get to know who the student is inside of the classroom and also kind of trying to get to know who the parent is. Because there are certain times you'll understand the trauma of the student based on that five-minute conversation with this incoherent parent who you think it might be drink, um, have been drinking before she talked to you. And you anything so, about nothing. So yeah, there's, there's been times where I was, I was like scratching my head with a student and then I met their parent. I realized why. And then I was able to approach it from a different way and finally knowing, okay, that's what you're going through. That's who you're going through it with. Mm-hmm. So now I know that this, that's not what you need. This is what you need. And it doesn't happen until after you meet the parent. That was very, very yeah. Important. You also brought up the code switching, which I do think is very important. Be able to talk to one student one way, switch it up, talk to another student another way. Admin comes in, switch it up all together for the whole class. And then mm-hmm. once they leave, you switch it up again. And just, you know, we, we are masters. Well, first of all, all of us on this call are masters of code switching to begin with. But teachers are just, you know, Masters, masters of cold switching. This is true. And then you brought up one more thing that I I couldn't write it down quick enough that I thought was actually, it was, dang, I can't remember it. So that's unfortunate. But no, uh, discipline, oh. what's up? I was going to say, going to your point of code switching, it is also because of how rich our cultures are, right? So, yeah. you know, her baby, her baby's name is Jadon. Jadon is, is, is a trinity. That boy, he could play dominoes and, you know, like you could you could bring that element into class and that also allows them to feel seen. Um, and I think that a lot of kids try to disappear, especially when they're going through things or like, you know, um, some of my kids are hangry all the time. They'll come in in the morning and they didn't eat. So I spent a lot of money on pizzas this year just because I knew like, eating, you know, them eating a pizza and then having a conversation about what they're going through or having somebody to just talk about what they're going through and them, them being able to go to class actually helped our individual culture, but then when we're in class, those are kids I could depend on to help maintain my equilibrium inside of the classroom because they know how we traffic, you know? And then the kids, when the kids um, test you, being able to be the bad guy, like I'm, I'm cool with kids not liking you. Yeah. Because yeah. Not, right? Like yeah. I'm cool with you not liking me if you're not, you know, upholding your 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 par- uh, parameters as, as a scholar because all your friends that you're going to complain me to are going to look at you like you're crazy. Like, Mr. Clotter, like, how you don't like Mr. Clotter? Like, so it is yeah. all those dynamics work. I tell them I'm okay with them not liking me. I'm I'm fine with it. And I also tell them like you know you, if you go through the world trying to please everyone, you're not going to make anyone happy because it's impossible mm-hmm. to make everyone happy. And then I just remember the other point you brought up 
about the teaching of content because I do approach as like last year I taught Texas history. So the state says I can teach you Texas history because they want to test you on this as that. Texas history is just the medium I'm using to try to turn you into a more complete person because I'm more interested in giving you life lessons. I'm more interested in giving you actual like actual information and actual ways of thinking and helping you increase your soft skills, especially your critical thinking, that's going to take you further than Texas history will. I had one student who kind of said, what could I do to improve my classroom? Make sure I always do it. One student was like, you tell, you spend too much time on random questions that take up too much class time or something like that. And then I read it out loud and all the kids were like, what are you talking about? That's the best time. We've learned so much. And I was like, can't make everyone happy. She doesn't like that. I get it. She just probably wants to come in, get the Texas history information, go about her day. But mostly everybody else likes the little stories I tell, the little life lessons, the relationship advice, so on and so forth. They appreciate that. And, um, and so, you know, I'm cool with that. Make, you know, one out of 30 students not liking it. I call that a um, success. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the thing. Yes. Using the content as the medium. And and also I realized, you know, I think more te- if teachers realize, you know, hunger is probably one of the biggest contributors to classroom behavior. And if you saw, yes. if you fix that in your classroom, classroom behavior is going to be a whole lot better. Guaranteed. <laughs> Uh, if admin understood that about teachers as well and stop taking their preps, they would learn that as well. Listen, right. we want to eat too. <laughs> I mean, for real though. For real. You know I mean? So after discipline goes to management, I think once you get the discipline down, the management starts to come into play. Uh, you get those procedures in class. Uh, they get that consistency. So they know hey, when you walk in the door, this is how you're supposed to act. And this is what you're expected to do to help manage that classroom too. I like to get to the point to where students don't even have to raise their hand and go like sharpen a pencil or yeah. I I despise stuff like that. Like yeah. raise your hand and go, this sharpen your pencil. Don't interrupt me from talking. <laughs> And so that's why how, how I try to, after I make sure they know how to act moving in the classroom without annoying other people, then we go into the management and then with management comes the control of the classroom, which that's where teachers, I think, the, I think I feel like management control are the two that I see most teachers mess up on. They don't have, they don't have that management and then the control is not there. And that's what you get start hitting that button and be like, oh, I need you to come remove so-and-so from my classroom. Oh, I need you to come remove the same so-and-so from my classroom. Oh, now I got another so-and-so. Yeah. I feel bad for people in the front office. <laughs> keep getting those calls. Man, it, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm really trying to think about that because I'm like, even a notion of control, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her her flowers because she's here. Miss Turner and Miss um, and Ms. Pierce, I, 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 they like to Claire Huxtable. I'm one of those teachers that will walk into your class and bother a kid and kind of disrupt your class for two seconds. But I'll, I'll yeah. settle it down. <laughs> but like, when I walk into their classroom, it's so orderly. Like she's teaching. Um, you can tell that there's care there. You can tell that the kids are able to, they know who's going to move out, like move the calculators. And, you know, this kid is going to collect stuff. And I'm just looking at them like, this is so, you know, of course it's different in PE, but it's just so dope to see that. And I think that, like what you said, like when you have, when you created that system, you don't really think about control per se. Control is just really having to reset them because they know what they're doing and they know what the standards are in the classroom. So you don't need to control every aspect of the class. Actually, it opens you up to actually take more risks and do more engagement things, right? If I knew the class already knows how to act, then I'm not thinking about, okay, cool, this person is going to hit this one. So they all have to sit down. 
you guys can get up and move around. You can actually grab this. There's marbles here. There's this here. You guys can do that. And you can give them more autonomy where, because ultimately, I don't think that our goal is to control everything in the class because some of the greatest aspects of classroom is when the kids learn something or teach you something, right? Yeah. So the goal is to create the, the rituals or the routines or the culture, per se, um, so that it can flow, like you said, in a way where we don't have to micromanage the kids and make sure, nah, like, all right, cool. Hope, can you go and check Arjan's work? Uh, Tony Ann, can you go on the board and do this? And then they, they're on it because they actually are there. And then you could take a risk. Like, you know what? Let's watch this movie and then do some math stuff. But you probably wouldn't take that risk with the other class because they can't act right. You know what I mean? So there is that notion of management and control. I think the mm-hmm. ultimate goal is to like have the kids at a point where you don't have to control every aspect of the class, that the class flows and you can actually like relax. Well, I think about it the same way I don't like to be micromanaged by admin. I don't mm-hmm. want to micromanage my students. Yeah. I feel like being micromanaged in the Marine Corps. I don't want to micromanage my students. And I used to let my I used to let my students know, especially last year, that I don't like that I have to do this because y'all haven't gotten to the point to where I can trust you to go do your own things. You mm-hmm. I, I'd be like, you think I like having you just sit like no, but I need you to get to the point to where I can trust you to move around. Because you know, previously, you know, my other classes. You know, they can go around and do gallery walks and everything. Uh, they can do group projects. I didn't have any issues. Last year, though, last year was tough. Like, not all my classmates, not all my classes made it to that point. They still, a lot of them still had fun, though. I mean, they still liked my class, but I wasn't the best that I could be last year. Hopefully, the change in grade level and content. Actually, I know it's going to change it because I'm doing world cultures now and that's just more exciting than Texas history. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I definitely think, like hearing you guys say this, the the essence of control or like the teachers, I feel like have the, the best control, the most control are the teachers who feel the most comfortable doing less. So like the more comfortable you feel releasing is the better control that you have. Because I even think about one of my students, we do like student teacher leaders and she literally got up to the board and went over an entire page of the math lesson and even started the next page on like something we hadn't learned yet. And she did all of like the questioning techniques. She did wait time. She was calling on people. She gave people tasks. She had people come to the board. She was like annotating the notes completely on her own. And I never had to train her on like how to do that or tell her how do you question whatever they just learned from seeing me do it and then me like slowly allowing them to do more and more and then when you talked about sharpening the pencil I'm like having flashbacks to kids just really not knowing that you should not use the loud pencil sharpener while I'm speaking so (laughs) I think that's another thing too like training them on time and place like and that's not a classroom skill that's a life skill there's a time and place for everything. And when you get them to a place where you don't need them to raise hands anymore, you don't need them. When I was in certain classes, we didn't have to raise our hands to go to the bathroom. We just knew, okay, if one person is missing right now and they we saw them leave and go to the bathroom, I cannot also leave. So just like building, building their common sense and their like street smarts at the same time as their book smarts. I will say, I, I like uh, the loud pencil sharpener. It did get to the point to where my students knew to wait for a second. <laughs> And then they will look at me and then they wait till I get to a natural pause or a period and then they would do it. So we did, we did get to that point and I was very happy to finally get to that point. <laughs> because, yeah, beginning of the year. 
Like, come on. They don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, you remind me of Angie. Angie is a phenomenal, phenomenal rising eighth grader. And she has a fear of uh, public speaking. And she's really, really smart. I used to always get on I'm Associating Hope, some of our other bright students, where they would just sit in class and be quiet. And I'm just like, you're the smartest kids in the class. Like, if you want this class, like, you want the class to move forward, just start answering questions. Like, don't be quiet. But at the same time, 80% of people have a fear of standing up in front of people. And I'm like, most of the time, you're going to be standing, you're going to be sitting down in front of people who don't, aren't smarter than you if you don't get used to standing up in front of people. So that was a challenge that I would do for Angie. Um, and that's another thing that I would do in like culture if you see certain differences. If I give every kid, like we had a thing that we had to do for math when I did intervention block, all the other kids had 10 minutes, Brianna, Angie, and probably Caleb had five. Why are you giving me five minutes? Because I know you can do it. Right. And then she'll do it. And then once she finishes, I said, I do number one. I don't like to get off. Just just write the answer out, like just the small things to get them to stand up in front of people and then also try to translate those things. Right. Like how do we translate the life skills and some of the monetary skills that the kids have? Right. If you're in English class and you're writing an op ed, you actually can get paid for that. Right. You can do something that can get you paid for that. Um, If you can stand in front of a class and you can show the math work then you actually can tutor, right? So these things can actually generate income for you. Um, so just don't, you know, so creating those environments where they learn a skill that transcends the classroom, I think it's also a big part of the culture as well. I'm very big on promoting public speaking. And I let them know the first week of school that they will, by the end of the year, be given some type of public speech or something in front of the class. Uh, my first year was, they actually gave a speech. Last, the other two years couldn't do it because of the COVID. But then last year, actually, and I always get the pushback. I'm not getting up in front of the class to do this. It always happens that by the end of the year, all 145 of them go do it. And I was like, when they get the confidence to do it. But last year, I was very happy because I had them build vision boards. They did mm-hmm. digital vision boards and then got up there and shared their vision boards with their classmates. And that was phenomenal. And so... I just say that to share because you just brought up the whole public speaking deal. And that's something I try to promote because I told them, I I can tell them that every, almost every single job you're going to do, you're going to have to talk to someone. If you like, even if you mow lawns and you have a lawn mowing business, you still have to be able to talk to your potential customers. You got to be able to approach strangers to ask them, hey, would you like to use my new lawn service? So I try to tell them that speaking, public speaking is is always going to be there. You're going to have to learn how to talk to people. There's only like 0.5% of jobs out there where you can probably not socialize or associate with anyone. But that's not what the vast majority of us want to do. So public speaking is very important. So wrapping up, I want to end on a little positive note for the teachers and students getting ready to go into the next school year. So what is two pieces of advice? One for teachers who are stepping into the classroom for classroom management, what advice would you give them? And then what would you give students? What advice would you give the students? Teachers, students, what advice? I would tell students to be your authentic self. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Hold teachers accountable to making sure that uh, you learn um, every single day. Get to know your teacher and realize that your teacher is a human being as well. So have a little bit of grace. But go in there, gung-ho, ready to learn, being who you are and challenging. You know, bring all of who you are, no matter, you know, all of who you are to that classroom and allow that to, to, to drive you to move forward. For teachers, 
I would say get to know the students. Be very, very stern and be about what you say you're going to be about. Students are going to learn socially way before they learn academic. So they're going to be able to read you. You know what I mean? They smell blood in the water. So <laughs> go in there, be stern, but get to learn who they are. Because a lot of them don't know who they are yet. And you can see aspects of who they are. If you come in with care, you, you address them and you get to know who their parents are and get to understand who they are holistically, then you're fine. Lastly, I was to say, also hold admin accountable for school culture as well. Because school culture leads into your classroom culture. But in your classroom, make sure that you run that um, and you empower kids to be able to participate in that as well. I would say part of your student advice is my teacher advice, Clutter. Um, be yourself. I think that especially going into my first year, I got so much advice of like, oh, be like as mean as you can in the beginning and all this. And it's like, yes, but you are more stern in the beginning than you are at the end of the year. But like do that in a way that feels authentic to you um, because the kids are going to be able to pick up if you're not being yourself. But also just be consistent and be forgiving because kids need consistency or young adults they need consistency and structure they thrive on that and they also are in a really weird time in their lives some of them are going through really difficult things some of them maybe don't have a lot going on at home but they like feel awkward they're all like discovering themselves they're all coming into the people that they're going to be um, and that requires you to be very forgiving as a teacher and then the student advice would be just push yourself like challenge yourself to be part of the classroom culture and to contribute because like I said I was that kid in school that like a lot of times I knew the answer but I was, I was just thinking like oh someone else will say it like I could have easily contributed more and I would have gotten more in return so definitely contribute because your contributions are very valuable for teachers, I would say be consistent, yes, but start with grace. I think uh, it's very important for us to start with grace at the beginning of the year and, you know, be understanding that our students might not get what we want. Like, our students aren't going to come in day one acting the way we want them to act and being like that structure. So be have grace and understand that it's going to take time to get there, but being consistent will help you get there a lot quicker. And then for students, I actually stole this because I like this very much. Hold your teachers accountable. I 100% agree with that. If the teacher says something and then they don't do that, do not be afraid to hold that teacher accountable and be like, hey, Mr. and Mrs., this is, this is what you actually said. This by Hold your teachers accountable. That's why me and the math teacher didn't get along very well because I was holding her accountable. How many math teachers are this? But, uh, I will say, though, while doing that, be respectful when holding them accountable, because that's where I messed up, because I was not being respectful when I was holding her accountable. And I can honestly admit that. And I wasn't. That's why I gave her a hard time. So hold your cheese accountable. I do like that. Be authentic, but be respectful. Like be yourself, but be your respectful self. I'm myself, but I'm still respectful being myself. So you can do that. So thank you both for joining us. Happy 2022-2023 school year. And for everyone listening, have a great school year, whether you're a teacher, student, or you're, you have kids who are going to be in school. May they have a good school year. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>